You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Tens of thousands of autologous stem cell transplants are performed each year to treat blood cancers and other diseases. Is there a way to increase the long-term success rates without increasing morbidity and mortality? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And with me is Dr. Luis Parada, Assistant Professor, Department of Medicine, Division of Hematology at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Dr. Parada and I are discussing his human clinical trial, which is entitled Randomized Phase Three Clinical Trial Comparing the Outcomes of Immunologic Autographed Engineering versus Standard Autograph Collection in Patients Undergoing Autologous Stem Cell Transplants for Lymphoma. Dr. Parada, welcome to ReachMD. Uh, Bruce, thank you for allowing me to, to participate in ReachMD. So tell us about autologous stem cell transplants and blood cancers. Why do we use autologous stem cell transplants and how long have we been doing this? The reason for autologous stem cell transplantation uh, to treat uh, blood cancer is to um, overcome resistant cancer cells that survive what we call, what, when we treat them with standard chemotherapy. And the hope with the autologous stem cell transplantation is by giving the high-dose chemotherapy for the autologous stem cell transplantation, we'll be able to kill those resistant cells and improve, improve the survival of our patients. Uh, the main side effect of the high-dose chemotherapy is the fact that uh, it can completely wipe out the bone marrow uh, which, as we know, produces white cells, platelets, and hemoglobin. So to overcome that main side effect, we collect stem cells that give rise to those cells. We freeze them. We give the high-dose chemo for the autologous stem cell transplantation. And then after that is done, those stem cells that we collected are infused back to the patient. They go into the bone marrow, and they start producing white cells, platelets, and hemoglobin. Uh, autologous stem cell transplantation has been uh, done since the late 1970s and been done for multiple uh, blood type of cancers. And how successful is the standard autologous stem cell transplant? It really depends which disease we're targeting. For example, uh, in patients with multiple myeloma, uh, we know that autologous stem cell transplantation is not a curative procedure, uh, but it's able to prolong survival compared to standard chemotherapy. In non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, specifically in patients with diffuse heart cell lymphoma, uh, an autologous stem cell transplantation may have a second chance of cure, and some people quoted between 45 to 50% chance. So it really depends on the type of disease that you give the autologous stem cell transplant. So do we know why those kinds of transplants work or don't work? I will give you my biased answer. I think that in the autologous stem cell transplantation, People feel that probably the reason why the autologous stem cell transplantation fell is that we put all our hopes in the high-dose chemotherapy to eradicate the tumor or the malignancy. My bias is that high-dose chemotherapy by itself is not enough in the autologous stem cell transplantation, that we need to do something else besides the high-dose chemotherapy. And my opinion is that the patient's own immune system might be the key to help the high-dose chemotherapy and the autologous stem cell transplantation to eradicate the tumor. So let's talk about that. It doesn't work right now. I've got cancer and my immune system's not working. So how can you say that it's my immune system that might actually work during a autologous stem cell transplant? The the reason I um, I believe this is the case is that when you give the high dose chemotherapy for the autologous stem cell transplantation, what we achieve is a reduction of what we call the tumor bur burden, how much cancer is left behind in the patient. By doing that, if we have a very small amount of tumor left behind, we believe that the immune system then at that time will be able to 
overcome that minimal residual disease of that small amount of tumor and be able to eradicate the tumor. And the reason that we believe that is by minimizing or reducing the tumor burden, whatever the tumor is doing to fool the immune system is not there anymore. So the immune system has a second chance to recognize the tumor and kill it. And that brings us to your current study. You've discovered some things going on with natural killer cells and the immune system that makes you hopeful that by engineering the grafts, you can even improve that success in a much bigger way. So describe that for us. Sure. One of the beauties about natural killer cells compared to a different type of lymphocyte called T cells is that T cells need help from other cells to recognize the tumor. And natural killer cells have the ability by themselves to recognize cancer cells and be able to go directly and kill those cancer cells. And what we found is that around day 15 after transplant, if your lymphocyte count is greater than 500 cells, and specifically we believe there are the NK cells and, and at day 15, if we have higher numbers of NK cells, we believe that the survival is better. And the best way I can explain this is our, our NK cell is like our, our army. If our army is bigger than the enemy, which will be then the tumor cells, our army will be able to overcome the tumor cells and eradicate those tumor cells as the NK cells have the ability to recognize tumor cells. So tell us how you discovered this idea about the natural killer cells. And the reason we discovered this was as we learned that um, by day 15, the number of lymphocyte recovery was important. We did studies to try to identify which lymphocyte subset was the key one around day 15. And the lymphocyte subsets that we looked for were natural killer cells, T cells, and B cells. And of all those three, we learned that the NK cells are the key lymphocyte cells that recover in normal numbers around day 15. So in other words, their number are there to be able, hopefully, to kill the tumor compared to T and B cells that their recovery takes up to six months, even up to a year after the transplant is done. So what are we doing when we're engineering the autograft in order to make this more successful for the patients? What we're doing with the autograft is that the machines that we use to collect stem cells, we're modifying the machines to be able to collect more lymphocytes at the same time that we collect stem cells. And what we're hoping by doing that is by collecting more lymphocytes, we'll be able to collect more NK cells. And by collecting those uh, more NK cells, those NK cells that we infuse back to the patient will recover faster and we'll be able to target the tumor after the transplant. And there's a great stories of serendipity that was behind this discovery. Tell us what that was about. Yeah, the study was as follows. We, one of the questions that we had was, what can we do for our patients to try to maximize their lymphocyte recovery after transplant? And what we found was that the amount of lymphocytes that we collect at the same time with the stem cell correlate with the lymphocyte recovery after transplant. Knowing that correlation, that was the key uh, finding, then we went back and looked at the machines that we use to collect stem cells. And at Mayo, we used three machines, one called the uh, Spectra, the Amicus, and the Fenwell. Now, those machines are already set up specifically to collect stem cells. So we decided to check, even though they were set up to collect stem cells, would it be any difference with the lymphocyte collection? And lo and behold, by serendipity, we found that the Spectra, even though the setting was specifically for stem cells, the Spectra collected more lymphocytes than the Amicus and the Fenwall, and those patients that were collected by the Spectra, the lymphocyte recovery was better, and the survival was better. Unfortunately, the Spectra and the Fenwall are going to be obsolete, so we're left with the Amicus machine. And we have already shown that we're able to manipulate the Amicus machine to collect more lymphocytes, and this is what we're going to do in our study. 
So when do we expect this study to have some kind of impact on physicians and patients? Uh, the study right now is planning to accrue patients for two years with another year of follow-up. But what we're planning to do is that probably the first year or so after accrual of the patient, we're going to see how the patients are responding to the study. If we see early that the patients that were randomized to the amicus machines that were always manipulated uh, to collect more lymphocytes, the survival is better to compare to patients that were randomized to the standard collection with the amicus machine. That will give you just enough information to start promoting this study and tell clinicians about our findings. And many times the way that we do this is will be to present this on um, national meetings as well as follow-up with publications. So typically when you do a autologous stem cell transplant on blood cancers, how soon do you know whether it's been successful or not? In, in this case, for a study, we know that uh, in a year after the transplant is done, we will know right away if patients that were collected with a modified amicus machine will do better than in patients that were collected with the standard amicus machine. So in a year after the patient's being accrued, we will know right away if this is true or not. So you're telling me if I have my transplant in August of this year, by August of 2008, we'll know whether this transplant was curative for me or whether I need to go for other therapy. We will have a very good idea about that time, yes. So this is a fairly rapid research project that could have an impact on patients and physicians in the very near future. Yes, and that's one of the beauties of the study because many times one of the problems with studies is that you can do a randomized study and it might take two to five years to get an answer and then by that time something new comes along that made that randomized study obsolete. This study will be very quick and we will get an answer very rapidly and hopefully this study is positive we can change clinical practice and improve survivals on our patients. And what are the diseases that you're studying in this particular research project? At the present time, we're treating patients with lymphoma. But if this study is positive, we'll be able to uh, apply these to other diseases that we have shown the same observation about the lymphocyte recovery, not only in the adult setting, but also in the pediatric setting. Diseases such as leukemia, multiple myeloma, and so forth. And uh, what other kinds of diseases do we typically use autologous stem cell transplants for? Mainly in the blood cancer arena, the two main diseases that we use autologous stem cell transplantations has been lymphoma and multiple myeloma. Other diseases that autologous stem cell transplantations have been used in blood cancer has been leukemia, but so far the dogma has been that autologous stem cell transplantation for leukemia is not curative compared to allogeneic stem cell transplantation. And is it possible that an engineered autograft might be uh, curative for leukemias? Uh, we hope so, because we also have shown patients with acute malignant leukemia, if they recover their lymphocyte count at day 15 after autologous transplant, their survival is better compared to those who do not. And you also mentioned some other non-blood cancer diseases that seem to be helped by this. What evidence do we have of that? Uh, the other two, uh, the other diseases that being not blood-related, uh, being breast cancer, that we have published data uh, we have published findings about lymphocyte recovery as well. This has been confirmed by the University of Colorado. Also, it's been shown in ovarian cancer. There's a group in Italy that have published also this same observation. And interesting, in pediatrics, Ewing sarcoma, which is a bone type of cancer, there's also publication showing that the lymphocyte recovery might improve survival in this uh, group of patients too. So as we continue to learn this, now in lymphoma, if this uh, study that we're doing is positive, it can have application not only for blood-related malignancies, 
but also might be able to be applicable to solid malignancies too. How safe is an autologous stem cell transplant? The chances of complication with an autologous stem cell transplantation is around roughly less than 3% chance uh, complications, including death. Definitely, this is a very safe procedure, and I mentioned to my patient that this is the same risk of complications as they get the standard chemotherapy. We're fighting cancer on many fronts, especially in our hallowed research institutions. Subtle changes in the way we deliver autologous stem cell transplants may lead us to better treatments and cures, especially for blood cancers, and maybe in the very near future. I want to thank Dr. Luis Parada of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, for sharing his fascinating research with us. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs and other therapies for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.